Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. My name is Vero Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Soila Perez. And on this podcast, we bring you a mix of mainstream and alternative Latinx jams based on a different theme each episode. But today's episode's a little bit different and also very special because we're welcoming our very first musician artist guest, Senia Rubinos. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Yay, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. We're so, so excited to yes. have you here. You yes. are a Radio Menea favorite. Yes, Yay. totally. <laughs> Thank you. So the song that we're listening to right now is a Senia uh, song from Black Terry Cat, which is your latest album, and it's called See Them. And I really, really love this song. I feel like I've like gone through a lot of like different phases with the album of like which ones like are my favorites. And right now this one's like my jam um, because I just feel like it's like, I don't know, it just does such a good job of being like, look, there's a little bird. You feel these things that are happening. Feel the sun. Like, how come you don't see women of color's range? <laughs> like, it should be just as obvious to you, right? Like, <laughs> I love that. I really, really love it. That's an awesome interpretation. I'm so into that. I just need to get that snippet of you saying that. It's so good. We'll include it. We'll include it. Okay. Love it. Um... So yeah, tell us about what you've been up to. You're you're you've been on tour and you're just back in New York now. Yes. Uh just got back to New York playing a show this week in New York and then going to Europe um mm-hmm. soon. So like you've been traveling for Evs. A little bit. Yeah, it feels uh it feels good. It feels good to go and and get to mm-hmm. share the music and um get to you know, meet people and yeah. see what it feels like people in all these different places so yeah, it's been really totally. good totally how long have you been um, on tour like overall in your career well I've been touring for a few years like mm-hmm. ever since um I re- I self-released magic tricks my first album yeah, um with good. thank you with my drummer uh Marco he and I started our own LLC and put out um mm-hmm. my first record in 2012 and then it was re-released in 2013 and uh, been touring like ever since, but it kind of picked up um, after that that re-release in, in 2013. Um, and for Black Terry Cat, um, I started touring last fall um, and did like a national U.S. tour and then like European tour, and then I'm doing it all over again now yes. in the new year. So yes, that's awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited to I. Um, if you all listeners have a chance to catch Senia Rubinos out there, she's an excellent performer. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. So Senia, I don't know if you've seen this, but on your Spotify, on the, on this your Spotify account, kind of in the biography that they've written, they call you a difficult to classify songwriter. <laughs> I don't know how you feel oh. about that. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know I had a bio on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> <should> probably read <laughs> it. <laughs> How would you classify kind of your your work and your music? What would you how would you describe it? You know, it's hard because I I have made such a case for people miscategorizing me, but I don't mm-hmm. think that I necessarily am good at categorizing myself either. So mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, I don't know. I think I think it's it could be on an album by album basis. I don't mm-hmm. feel like right. a genre specific artist. You know, I don't feel like I can commit to doing like one aesthetic or one 
style other than my own style yeah, um, mm -hmm. like for, for my career or that I'm trying to like cement myself in some particular scene. Mm -hmm. um, this week someone wrote, uh, I think it was in the Village Voice, they wrote that I that this album cemented me as an underground pop artist. Oh, and I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, wow. I'm taking, I just called the elevator though. And I'm taking the elevator up from the underground. Um, <laughs> so not for long, boo-boos. I'm aspiring not to be in the basement. I'm coming yeah. up. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I think um, it's tricky because we all, me included, gravitate uh, towards these genres to, right. to uh, describe the music that we're mm -hmm. listening to, to mm -hmm. friends and, you know, say like, oh, it's, you know, it's influenced by hip hop and R&B and soul and dembo and like, you know, and trying to use these, but some of these things, these catch all phrases are pretty limited, mm -hmm. you know, so right. yeah. sometimes it feels like we're, it's interesting because in, I guess, in quotes, Latin music scene, mm -hmm. there's actually more subgenres, I feel like, and there's more, and maybe that's, because I'm just mm -hmm. finding out about them and they've mm. existed for so long. Like, um, like I'm just researching now about reggaeton and dembo and mm -hmm. all of the offshoots of that music. Uh, and that's new to me, but it's not new. It's been right, around right. for what, 20, 30 years. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting because it feels like maybe there's more genre names mm -hmm. and possibilities in that music mm. world right now than perhaps in other uh, music that we're listening to in America mm, and Europe, yeah. or maybe we just don't know. Maybe the common music fan doesn't know mm -hmm. the words to use, or right, like maybe there right. are all of these subgenres that could help us be more specific. Yeah. Right. Um, and we just don't know them yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's also really interesting is a conversation that I've had a little bit with you, Senya, and also with Isabelia, who was on our show recently, is that like there's um, this sort of tension between like, you know, being like a Latina artist and being really proud of that's who you are and like bringing that, but also like being like not wanting to be sidelined to like, oh, this is like, you know, this, this is the only lane that I'm in or, mm -hmm. or just like not being incorporated to the canon, right? Like mm -hmm. around like, okay, so these are these artists and then white people get to be like whatever they yeah. want and like as expansive and whatever they want. So it's it's an interesting tension, I find. It is, and that's something that I was really, I guess I was more angry brown girl when I mm -hmm. first started, when I put out my first album than I really am right now in this moment mm. because I felt very frustrated by... Uh, you know, getting an opportunity like, oh, I get to be on NPR for the first time or I get to play a KEXP session. and But then I I get to play the Latin program. Right, I don't right. get to be where everybody else is. I have to be mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. colored section. Yeah, I mean, right. that sounds harsh, but that's how it felt to me in that moment. A lot yeah. of those opportunities, I was like, but why can't I be in the space that I that all of the other people I admire right. are? Why right. can't I be given the same opportunities, the same platforms, the same visibility as everybody else? Mm -hmm. Why do I have to be the Latin Chiquita Banana Girl? Like, yeah. why? Right. You know, right. am I clowning for you? You know, yeah. so mm -hmm. it, that... And, it, and it's not that I'm not proud about where I come from or I sing in Spanish... I, 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 you know, celebrate my mm -hmm. ethnicity and my curiosity about what my identity is and mm -hmm. that, that fluidity of how it's growing. But at the same time, I'm making work and I, mm -hmm. and I making work that's, 
of substance and that's exciting. And, uh, and I think that that merits, uh, its own space, just like, just like everybody else. So I think I did have that kind of like just angry, almost victim feeling for a long time. And I think only now in this album cycle, I've also just met uh, a lot of new people, journalists, Veronica, like got to meet you when we first Mm -hmm. talked about my album when it came out. And Mm -hmm. that's been so refreshing and exciting because I feel like I don't have to explain myself any, Mm -hmm. like as much and I'm not as frustrated. I just feel more hope and more just excitement about all the new things that are going on. It used to just feel like, Oh man, I'm just out here. Like I'm just out here in the wilderness. (laughs) Like I have to explain to everybody, but now it's feeling less and less that way. Um, and maybe it's just time. Maybe it's just work, you know, that could be, and also it could be that, uh, there are, there's more of a a movement maybe. And like more, more shows, more journalists, Mm -hmm. more artists, that yeah, are that are doing the work maybe mm-hmm. yeah it's funny because i think so often like we you know like for example radio Menea, you know like we create yeah. this program because we're not hearing the things that we want to be hearing so it's like okay right. so like we create a platform for it but it's also but there is like it's that tension it's like you know like these things should be also incorporated into like what's considered the canon and mm-hmm. right now the canon is like often white folks right mm-hmm. yeah. um so it's it is like an interesting tension that i think about a lot mm-hmm. yeah all right, so the cool thing about today's program is that Senya actually is guest DJing and brought a few songs for us today. And the first song that she brought is uh, Got This Happy Feeling by the Ghetto Brothers. Tell us about this song, Senya. I just found out about the about the Ghetto Brothers rank pretty randomly, just mm-hmm. like doing research, like listening, going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, as I as do does, online, yeah. as we all do. <laughs> um, and yeah, the Ghetto Brothers—they were a gang uh, and, and a music group that uh, started in the '60s in the South Bronx. Um, they were similar to the Young Lords, and I really. Mm-hmm. I just heard this this song and I was like, what's going on? What is who is this? And then I just thought the, yeah. the name was funny. And then I realized um, that it was, you know, a social movement. Mm-hmm. And um, they also had an offshoot called the Ghetto Sisters, yes, which I love. I read about that. I read <laughs> and about I've been that looking moment. for them. I'm like, where are they? Yes, I was like, they made an album. <laughs> yeah, I was like googling like pictures of ghetto the Ghetto Sisters and like yeah, it didn't work. I didn't yeah. find anything, but. Um, it was interesting because it felt like they're mixing soul music and some Latin music 
And also they, they said Beatles stuff. And they yeah, were like, no one yeah. was listening to the Beatles in our neighborhood until we started playing stuff like that. And then everyone started buying Beatles records or something. I read some <laughs> quote like that and I yeah. thought it was so awesome. But they um, rediscovered this old um, recording, which I think is the only record that, mm-hmm. they, that they made. Um, and I read something like that they went into the studio and they were one of the first bands like this. I mean, there were a lot of bands on the block, like throwing yeah. block parties, but they were one of the first bands in their neighborhood to go and actually make an album and potentially uh, influence like Africa Bambada to record and like, yeah. they, you know, potentially were influential to a lot of uh, the beginning of hip hop and mm-hmm. making hip hop records um, in the Bronx. So I thought that was, right. was interesting. And I also uh, was inspired by, um, you know, the social aspect of yeah. of yeah. Um, what they did because the music kind of was a secondary mm-hmm. thing, but they were um, more known as a social group. And the mayor of my hometown, which is Hartford, Connecticut, mm-hmm. Eddie Perez, was mm-hmm. apparently a member oh, of no the way. Ghetto Brothers. <laughs> wow. Like, that's just, according to Wikipedia, which I was like, what's going <laughs> on? Awesome. Da, da, da. Uh, amazing things you find out when you're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> but uh, wow. yeah, I just thought... This, this record is just um, super funky and just yeah. sounds really raw. It just sounds like you're there on, in the hood with these guys in the 60s or 70s and just like jamming out. And there's nothing um, like sound exquisite about this album, but there's something very powerful and real about their songs. Yeah, so. yeah, totally. And I think that, um, so I first heard of the Ghetto Brothers also very recently um, when I was talking to Alinda Segarra, Pray for the Riff Raff, was oh. like telling me about how like on her record she was like influenced by her latest record. Um, she was like influenced by you know a number of folks, including the Ghetto Brothers. I was like, oh, who are these folks? So I like started like looking them up a little bit, but just like that, also like that social history, right, of like mm-hmm. Puerto Rican, um, like social activists and the, I was reading I was reading about these folks about how they like forged like led the charge to forge this like gang like peace uh, agreement in the South Bronx mm-hmm. that um, that was like that ha- has held for a long time so it's pretty cool pretty cool yeah yeah that. this is not yeah this is not music that I was familiar with but really interesting historical piece to it that this album yeah. was like part of what the what like helped spur the peace agreement among the the sort of gangs mm-hmm. in the South Bronx? Although, Vera, what I read was from what you sent was that it it didn't last very long actually. Oh, the that peace it accord. didn't last very long. Yeah, oh. no, hmm. maybe it we'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still. I, read, I mean, I read something like yeah. that one of the members was actually killed. Oh, and wow. and instead of retaliating, they oh, held right, the peace. They didn't. Yeah, that they didn't retaliate. That they didn't I retaliate. Read that too. Yeah, that they like instead of like retaliating, they just like actually like didn't do it and like brokered this peace agreement yeah. instead. Mm-hmm. This album, yeah. right? The album, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Senia, what what very, kind of music? Cool. Senia, what kind of music did you grow up with? Were your parents into music? Like, what did you hear as a kid? They were yeah my dad was a really big classical music fan Mm -hmm. um so he he wanted to be a concert pianist um and so he the moment that I expressed any interest like got me a piano and was like always playing Ravel Prokofiev took me to 
see the opera. Um, took me to see musicals. He was also really loved musicals. Mm -hmm. And, um, my mom was more on the pop spectrum. Like Mm -hmm. she, she was listening to like Anita Baker. I think my parents before I was born went to like a Boy George concert in Hartford. (laughs) Um, she, she had like, you know, Madonna VHS tapes, like Madonna live, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. And then salsa. Like mm-hmm. my mom was from Port- my mom is from Puerto Rico. My dad was from Cuba, mm-hmm. um, and they love dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the old like Fania records, mm-hmm. all the stuff that you hear that you you know hear at your family functions, mm-hmm. like all the greatest hits. Yeah, you know, um, and yeah, just the radio, like eighties radio. So there was a mix of of like pop, whatever was on the radio, whatever was kind of in pop culture. Um, classical music and then like salsa. A lot of salsa. Mm. That's mm-hmm. a good combo, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how do they feel about your music career? Are they supportive? Yeah, my mom is a super super fan. She's yeah. like, she also will take <laughs> she will take trolls down online. Yes. So beware, trolls beware. <laughs> she will amazing. come and she will come for you. And <laughs> even if you're a not a Latina troll, mom like, thing to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I've had to explain a couple things to my mom. Like I got um. I got Pitchfork reviewed this album and they gave me an 8.0 and uh-huh. my mom went after like Laura Snape's on Twitter oh, and was no. like, this album is a 10. How dare you? <laughs> and I was like, mom, I was, I had to like call or like text my mom and be like, mom, chill. Like nobody gets that. a 10 on Pitchfork, like that. chill. And then she was like, oh my God, Cindy, you're right. Like Ariana Grande even like didn't get it. Like I'm like, mom. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> so, I love she, it. Like Ariana Grande was yeah. like the point of comparison. It was the measuring. Yeah, it was the measurement. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, hold up. Um, so yeah, That's she will really take. Sweet. She will take people down. Uh, I she love will, that. She will be like, "Did you see that? This there's a new fan video. Like the wow. angle doesn't. You don't look good." And I'm like, "Mom, I can't." <laughs> Wow. She's like, maybe you can ask them to take it. I'm like, mom, I cannot. That's amazing. I feel like my mom would do the same thing if she understood social media enough to like see trolls, you know, she would totally do it. I was on a radio program once like being interviewed and she called in and asked a question of me. But not like being, oh not not like acknowledging that she was my mother. It was so awkward. <laughs> like pretending like she's just some caller who wants to hear from me because like the other person was talking a lot more. It was so awkward. So anyway, shout out to your mommy. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. She's she's oh, the best. Yeah. Incredible. Oh yes, moms. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So the next thing that we're going to play is a little bit of Amafalam. It's the Shook mixtape.
about it, Senya? I just had the good fortune of having this little workshop on uh, reggaeton and dembo from uh, Rio Bamba. Yeah, yeah. Um, who is a great uh, DJ and also um, starting uh, a new label. And mm -hmm. Amaf Alam. Yeah. yeah, and Amaf Alam is going to um, uh, release a, a new album awesome. on, on this uh, label soon. And uh, we were just she was just teaching me about um, some rhythms and I had a lot of questions. Um, and then she played me uh, some of Amaf Alam's work mm -hmm. and I haven't been able to stop listening to it ever awesome. since. So I've just been hooked. Um, I just love the way that he uh, builds these sound collages mm -hmm. using field recordings of um, like folkloric music and then layering his own beats on top. And it's, this kind of collage aesthetic is something that's really... Um, calling to me right now mm -hmm. it's just really yeah. what I want to listen to um, awesome. the most I think mm -hmm. and um, it's just very it feels like a brain massage mm -hmm. it's like very refreshing mm -hmm. so I'm very into into his work right now yeah it's really cool I feel like it, this so this mix is long and has I've been listening to it, it goes through like so many different like ebbs and flows and it's mm -hmm. really nice to just have on. Mm -hmm. I really have appreciated listening to it. Tell us a little bit more about Amaf Alam, though. Are they here in Brooklyn or? Uh, I believe he's from Ecuador. Mm -hmm. um, and awesome. I think it's just one guy. Yeah. And uh, I don't know much more about him other than that uh, I think he finds the all the source materials that he uses. I don't know if he records some of it himself, mm -hmm. actually, um, mm -hmm. but I know he, he finds all of the source material um, and he has a lot of mixes. And I think. Uh, exists mostly on SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, and yeah. his name is Amaf Alam, and that's Malafama backwards. Oh, mm. I like that. Um, <laughs> so that's all I know. I, I know that he has performed here um, in New York before, um, and hopefully I'll be able to go see him next time. Awesome. So we should be expecting new stuff from Amaf Alam soon, huh? Mm hmm. Awesome. We'll be looking out for that. Senia, what's your like main source for music? Like, where do you find new music that you like? Well, I try, I mean, I try to follow people that, whose tastes I admire on mm -hmm. social media and mm -hmm. check out, um, you know, things that they're listening to or things they recommend. Um, I really like the new Bandcamp site, the Bandcamp mm, yeah. Daily site. I think yeah. they're doing a really good job of having um, a diverse uh, aesthetic of music that they recommend uh, mm -hmm. and that they spotlight. So I'm really feeling that. Um, I just follow a lot of music publications yeah. and music journalists. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a music journalist junkie, I think. <laughs> I don't know. That's un I guess it feels like a little unusual for a musician. I think most people a lot of times don't yeah, like reading yeah. about right. music, but I really right. do for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Maybe it's because I'm like, maybe part of me wishes that I could write about music and I like, <laughs> you know, I like the idea and I attempt to do that. But, um, so... Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of times I'm finding out about uh, music that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We want to take a quick break to remind you about a new partnership we have. So we're teaming up with Planned Parenthood to get the word out about their new campaign. It's called I Defy. As you all probably know, we've both been very involved in the reproductive rights and justice movement for a while now. Hashtag old. But it's... <laughs> A huge, huge part of what both of us do outside of this podcast. Yes. 
So we both know how important it is that people have access to basic reproductive health services, stuff like contraception, abortion, um, STI screening, sex education, and we, you probably know, unless you've been living under a rock, that all of those things are at major, major risk right now with this ridiculous orange chupacabra in the White House. That's right. So one thing that you can do today to support Radio Menea and access to reproductive health services is take out your phone and text Menea to 22422. That's M-E-N-E-A to 22422. And what that will do is it'll add you to a text action list that'll help you get involved with this political fight as it continues to get ugly. Yeah. So it's a win-win. We know we all need to find little ways to take action and be part of the resistance right now. And this is one way. So text MENEA to 22422. Support reproductive rights and your favorite Latinx music, Mujeres. Thank you so much, Queridex. So the next piece of music that you sent is actually um, from a film. It's the music of Ida Alberto Galvez, and it's from the film um, 79 Primaveras. Okay, so I'm researching for whatever's coming next, and I got into, um, I really wanted to watch uh, ballet in Cuba. Mm. Like, I wanted to watch ballet, the Cuban Ballet um, Nacional, which, if you don't know, uh, Cuba has a really rich history of ballet, and yeah, they, have, they have one of the, the most amazing companies in the world, um, Alicia Alonso, mm-hmm. um, came to uh, dance in, in New York, and mm-hmm. she uh, started her own ballet school there, but mm-hmm. um, they have a long history of ballet, and I've been imagining this aesthetic and remembering my trips to Cuba, which I really want to go back um, to, but... Um, and also some of my childhood with my dad, remembering my dad and listening to classical music, going to the ballet and opera. And so wanting to watch Cuban ballet and kind of this, you know, European tradition, but through the lens of these Cuban bodies, mm-hmm. Afro descendientes, mm-hmm. um, and like mixed ethnicities, um, that are the Cuban people. So I wanted to watch this and I started looking up, um, these documentaries and I found, this snippet of music that totally blew my mind and it's only one minute long. And um, I found that uh, this guy, Idalberto Galvez, was the composer of this music, which was a mix between like Bach 
jazz music and then experimental electronic music of the 70s. It's wow. really cool. Which sounds yeah. amazing, but I can't find the recording of that ballet anywhere. Oh, man, I'm, I mean, so I just started. I just started my yeah. research, and it's like I can't find it anywhere. But really, I've only been researching for like two days, <laughs> yeah. and it's like there's no library involved yet. Like I'm literally yeah. like on Google going really deep. Yeah. But I right. did finally find the actual spelling of his name because his name is misspelled in all these magazines mm. and all this mm. thing. Finally found him, and I found out that he actually uh, was a sound collage artist, which like brings me back to how I'm so yeah. like everything in me is like gravitating towards these palettes right now, like Amaf Alam's work that we listened to earlier, mm. and then when I found out that he, uh, Idalberto, was also making these kind of sound collages, I was like, oh my god, da da da. So yeah. I found out that he actually um, scored many films um, for Ikaik, which was mm. this. Uh, still exists today, a cultural um, institution that um, is government-sponsored in Cuba. And um, he is listed as a sound editor and then just as a straight editor in so many films, mm -hmm. including this one, 79 Primaveras, which is just one of the ones that I was able to find on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically, a, it, the film itself is a collage um, from like footage of Vietnam War, mm -hmm. yeah. um, Ho Chi Minh, and then the poetry of Jose Martí, and it's wow. so timely right now, like yeah. in our current situation, it was kind of shocking to mm -hmm. just like happen upon this and watch it um, right now and all this war footage. Um, and also there's some footage uh, from America and people protesting the war here. It looks like some of the, sh the shots might even be in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no dialogue. It's just this poetry and um, these juxtaposing images and then this amazing score yeah. Um, yeah. that he made, which is, again, like a, some kind of sound collage. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It's really different from anything yeah. that I'd heard before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it sounds really futuristic to me, but it's from yeah. the 70s. <laughs> and um, yeah. I basically just last night found out that I may have actually found Hidalberto. He oh may God. actually be alive and wow. be living in the United States. Wow. Oh, wow. So, so cool. I just sent him a friend request on Facebook. <laughs> Please accept my friend request. And P.S. I don't know what to write him. Should I reach out to him? Yes. Should I uh, keep researching to be continued? Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I hope he responds yeah. to your friend request. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Me too. That's so awesome. I actually That's got to great. see the Cuban National Ballet when they came to New York maybe like five or six years ago. Have you ever seen them perform? Seen I've them? never seen them perform live. Yeah. Mm -mm, just seen it was lots beautiful. of videos. Yeah, it was beautiful. They're I really incredible. love ballet. Yeah, I have a weird like obsession with ballet. And I don't dance like that kind of, I mean, so few people can dance that kind of dance, but I love watching ballet. And yeah, they came to New York when I was living there and I got to see them, I think at like BAM, maybe. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and it was beautiful. Yeah, it was really beautiful. So the next song that uh, Senia brought for us is by an artist called Gal Costa, and this song is called Mini Misterio. Vida, 
Tell us why you brought this song, Sania. So uh, this incredible MC who is one of my heroes, uh, Ladybug Mecca, she was mm-hmm. in this group called Diggable Planets. Um, I was following her on Instagram and she posted these beautiful photos of this woman that looked like it could have been from the 70s and she just was wearing all these fierce outfits and I just thought like, who is this? I have no yeah. idea. And um, she's like, oh, that's Gal Costa. So I look up Gal Costa and find out that she's this amazing Brazilian singer. I've never heard her before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found this album that's called Legal. And I start listening to her early records and I'm kind of floored because it's Brazilian music. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's, but she's also kind of breaking from what the stereotype is of what you would expect mm-hmm. from like this soft demeanor, the samba, like mm-hmm. pure tone voice. Um, wavy kind of aesthetic, like chill yeah, aesthetic. Yeah. She actually was doing really adventurous uh, arrangements and mm-hmm. um, production in her albums. And uh, there, there's even in this album in, uh, from the 70s and this song, there's some like R&B influence Ooh. in it. And you're just like, what's going on? Who are these yeah. people? She worked with Jobim. She worked with so many producers of the time, but they were making such adventurous and exciting music. And... Um, I don't understand what she's singing yeah, about. Yeah. I don't know what she's saying, um, but it doesn't kind of doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. Just has these incredible melodies and really mm-hmm. exciting arrangements that just called out to me. And um, she also has this very powerful presence. Um, she, I think, again is kind of um, not as demure as the stereotype of this yeah. like soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. Brazilian jazz singer or something. She's on this other power tip um, that I really that really resonates with me, yeah. and that I'm that I'm constantly like looking around for mm-hmm. women of color mm-hmm. that um, have a power stance, and particularly you know in the '60s and '70s and right. that time, thinking about um, the context of where this music was existing, um, just really blew me away. So awesome! Yeah, I'm excited to get a little bit more into her sound because mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know who she was before you sent her over. Yeah, she has like a thick discography too. She has a lot of records and a lot mm-hmm. of really great records, and just seemed like she wasn't afraid to try new things. And um, her voice yeah. is incredible. Like the things that she can do with her voice, she like growls and she screams and she mm-hmm. coos and she's soft and she's funny. Um, so I just there's just so much life. Um, in her, in the albums that I've heard of hers um, thus far. So I really recommend um, starting with, with this one with Legal. Mm-hmm. It's a great album to start. Awesome. With. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. We haven't yeah. brought a ton of Brazilian music. No, I don't think we brought any. To this I think podcast. there's been a couple of people who like. I think there might have been some people you've brought where there was like someone who featured on something that was Brazilian, but yeah, this is yeah. the first thing. Yeah, that's. That's like mm-hmm. exclusively. We need so. to we need to step it up. We need to invite somebody who's Brazilian to like yeah. school us on, on Brazilian, Brazilian music. music. That would be Ooh, fun. So yeah, many. yeah. You should get Ladybug Mecca or um, Zuzu Capoleirosa. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be actually really. They fun. would be. They would mm-hmm. both be great. Yeah, they would be great. That's 
great suggestions. Senia coming Thank up you. with the ideas for the podcast right now. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Um, so we each brought a song. We each picked one of um, our favorite songs of yours to sort of start and end the episode. So we're going to transition into the song that I brought, um, which is Mexican Chef. the song for its sound but also its message i think i'm tend to be more drawn to like lyrics and beto often is more drawn to sort of the musical elements of songs and so um i mean i love bachata people who listen to this episode know so just the just the line bachata in the back <laughs> um got me and i used to work in a rec- mexican restaurant not too long ago and it was this like constant fights about music because even though it was a Mexican restaurant, it was won by a white guy and like a half Latino guy who didn't really listen to music. Um, but all the people in the back, all the, the kitchen staff, all the busters were all Latino, mostly Salvadoran, and all the people in the front, um, like the bartenders and stuff were these like kind of grungy white guys. And for some reason, the bartenders are at the top of the restaurant hierarchy. So they got to decide what the music was and their taste in music were terrible. And it's a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> And so sometimes I would somehow like get in with the manager and get to put on music and I would always put on bachata. And then me and the busters would be like dancing around and like be really happy. And like people, the customers really liked it because it's actually nice music to have on while you're eating. But the white bartenders would complain and be like, oh, this is so boring. It's all the same. Anyway, so I just connected with that, the the race wars in my Mexican restaurant working time. But um, (laughs) Senia, what inspired you? Yeah, what inspired your... I was going to say, yeah, you personify... That experience basically personifies literally the song. Mm -hmm. I'm glad. That's what it felt like, yeah. Happy to. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That that scene of, like, you know, rancheras or bachata, like, blasting from a kitchen when you go to the the bathroom Mm -hmm. in the back of the restaurant and you hear, like, this Mm -hmm. loud music that you're like, wait, what are they listening to back there? Um, I mean, that's something that I've seen repeated over and over again, time and time again, and... um, just this idea of this invisible workforce that's back there, you know, mm-hmm. making everything run um, that you don't see. This, that's just something that, yeah, that I've seen so many times. And for some reason, on this one particular day, it just all clicked into this, what I thought was just a nonsense rhyme or a story that I started writing when I was, like, I was running errands in my neighborhood and I just started riffing on these lyrics. I don't, I have a terrible memory, so I don't even know how I remembered all of them. (laughs) I was just having fun and it was like stream of consciousness. um, And I got home and wrote them all down. And then um, I started just jamming uh, on this bass line and recorded and wrote the song in like two hours. It was just this really, and I just, I wasn't taking myself seriously. I thought it was hilarious and maybe offensive. I'm like, is this offensive but I wasn't even thinking I was going to share it with anybody I didn't mm-hmm. certainly didn't think it was going to be on my album I didn't even think it was good I was just, it was just la- I was just laughing at it I thought it was really funny um and then yeah I shared it with Marco my drummer who helped you know he recorded the demo with me and um we were like this is fun we should record this this is a jam you know but I didn't really 
understand like the impact or significance of it until I started sharing like the finished, you mm-hmm. know, record with people. Um, and that song was just like resonating with so many people. And also in that particular moment, um, was like in the thick of the election, mm-hmm. um, cycle. And it was just, yeah, it was timely in a way that I couldn't have anticipated. Certainly yeah. the day that I wrote the song I was just kind of right. yeah. laughing about this yeah. thing, which is, you know, funny, not funny, but, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. but that was yep. also the appeal to, to me in that, in that moment is like, you know, how to laugh about these things so that you mm-hmm. can talk about them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, totally, totally. Or so you like, don't cry about them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that's, yeah, it's like just like a powerful observation that I think probably a lot of us who are Latino and like, you know, going to restaurants or like walking by kitchens or something like have noticed. But I think to a lot of people, like those back of the house folks are invisible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that a lot of times, I mean, in any, you know, major city, metropolitan city, it feels like there's, it's not only, it's not only an, um, a racial divide or um, ethnicity divide, it's also like a, a class divide. Absolutely. And there's yeah. like, there's been times when it's just like, it feels like it's not cool to like make eye contact with people who are working at a place mm-hmm. or like people are trying to just keep a low profile and like stay out of the way and like not... I don't know, there's a division. And then there's a, there's a moment for me that, you know, so, that I realize like, oh, this person speaks Spanish. I speak Spanish. Should I speak Spanish to them? Should I speak right. English to them? Like, yeah. should we, and a lot of this is in my head and they're just, they're working and, you right. know, they're just like, right. I'm just trying to work right now. Leave yeah. me alone. <laughs> but there's a, there's, a, there's a lot, there's a lot mm-hmm. um, in those daily exchanges that we have um, to, that we're navigating and that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. it was, you know, the song came from a, like a genuine moment of curiosity and mm-hmm. just joy and laughter. And I think that, um, you know, I'm proud of how the recording came out. I'm proud of the song. Um, and I just couldn't have anticipated the kind of conversations. I think if I had set out to write a song like this, I would have failed. Mm, um, right. I certainly, I just didn't, I just wasn't thinking about it. I was just doing my thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy the that observations. it's, yeah, but I'm happy yeah. that it's, that it's resonated um, yeah. with folks. It feels good. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that our listeners know that um, one of the things that I, um, that Senia, uh, one of, on at Senia's shop, you made all of these like really cool, like nameplate sort of necklaces to title of, of the titles of your songs. And um, you are, you have been like uh, raising money for um, a couple of organizations um, selling those. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, at the end of last year, after the election happened, it was like the holidays. I had just come back from tour. I was feeling defeated and depleted. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I wanted to do something to help. And I didn't know what. And I had these nameplates. Uh, I made a nameplate for each uh song on the album um and that's the album art and also uh it's an album visualizer online that you can watch um and so i decided to sell them and donate 100 percent of the the proceeds to uh the national immigration law center and the national latina institute uh, for reproductive health so um yeah so i divvied up the the profits 50 50 between those two organizations um that felt like timely for me 
And it's really cool because Perez and I actually met working at the National Latina mm -hmm. Institute for Reproductive Health yeah. a long time ago. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah, that's so awesome. So, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And it's also, I felt like, you know, we love, we love um, the ACLU and we love Planned Parenthood and um, a lot of the, but we, it was really cool to see that you are raising funds for like a Latina reproductive mm -hmm. justice organization and yeah. like the, the, you know, like National Immigration Law Center. So I was very, I thought that was really good. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wanted to make sure folks know. Yeah. I just checked um, on your shop yesterday. There's still a couple left, y'all. So, mm -hmm. all right. <laughs> so go cop those. Um, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank me. you for being here. Yeah. It was fun. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. It's totally an honor. Zinnia's only in New York for a little bit, and yeah. one of her days is here with us. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're so welcome. I'm glad. Thanks for all the love <laughs> yeah. and all the good work. And we will put of in the blog post on uh, radimene.com where you can find Zinnia and those nameplates and um, links to her music and the stuff that we featured here, but also where you can follow her work and hopefully see her at some point live and buy her albums. Yeah, that's right. We'll feature all of that as usual on radiomenea.com. And um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you have any little moment and you like our podcast, if you can review us on iTunes, yes. that really helps us get in front of new listeners. Yeah, And some uh, of y'all have already been uh -huh. doing that. And you've left some really sweet reviews. Yeah. I want to share one from actually last July. So this is an early review from a user named Nina Powers, which is a great name. Uh, the title of the review is Gracias a Dios with like really funny periods all through it. Um, <laughs> this is the Latinx music podcast I was praying for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Nena. They Anya. really, really make us feel good. Yeah, we feel awesome. <laughs> like, I'm I legit excited. <laughs> Betis texts me every time. Every time I screenshot them <laughs> and send them to Beto. So we love it. We really appreciate it every time you do. Um, we're also getting ready to release our listener picks episode. So if you still have a little bit of time, if you are, um, you still want to send us a song that you love. Just record a voice memo and email it to radiomenea at gmail.com. We just want to hear about one of your um, Latinx music faves and a couple sentences about why you love that song. You can also email us if you don't want to do a voice memo or message us on social media. And we're at Radio Menea on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of your social media lugares. So find us, follow us, and check out all the things we have to say on there because we don't have time with all the amazing things that are out there. And thanks again, Senia, awesome. for joining us. We're super honored to yeah. have you. And good luck with your thanks tour. For me. Enjoy Europe. Muchas gracias. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye, y'all. Ciao. Ciao.